Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today, Pastor CJ gives a message called Strongholds Broken. Have you ever wondered why you feel stuck in certain areas of your life? Well, maybe it's because you're listening to the wrong voice and entertaining the lies of the enemy. Today, let's break free from the lies and stand victorious in Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, take all your sermon notes today. Let's get right into the word today. I'm excited about this word. Uh, during the summertime, I never preach on series because a lot of people are gone here and there and everything, and so I never preach on series, but I preach on topics, and one of the things I, I, I'm very fond of and very dear to is this topic. Uh, I have learned through the course of my years of ministry of 38 years that the enemy loves to work subtly. How do you know he just does subtle things, that so subtle that we don't even recognize that they're happening to us until they happen, amen? And then when we try to find out or use our strength or ability, we find out that we don't have it because we're caught up. But today I want to talk to you about strongholds broken, amen? Uh, I want to talk about strongholds broken. Uh, I hear people all the time say, Pastor, I seem to get so close, but yet so far. I hear about the promised land, but I never experienced the promised land. I I hear about it. I maybe even see it kind of like the Moses experience. I see it. I heard it. I sent out Aaron and her to spy out the land, but I'm not, uh, Joshua, excuse me, I'm not experiencing the promised land in my own life, and I'm getting frustrated. And I hear about that all the time. Well, a lot of times what's happening, why you're not experiencing it, maybe because you're in a stronghold that's holding you back. When I was growing up as a kid, I used to have some friends, Joey Kleppen and Randy Kleppen. That's their name, Kleppen. Can you believe that? Not the hillbillies, but that was their last name, Clampet. Clampet, Joey, and Randy. And anyways, they lived behind me, and every time I'd go over to their house, I had to crawl over the fence. And in in Wisconsin or Minnesota or Colorado, they love these big safety fences or privacy fences. How many know I'm talking about, right? Looks like Fort Knox. And so we had one of those around our house. And so we had this big fence. In order for me to get over to Randy and Joey's house, I had to climb the fence. And it was too lazy to walk all the way around the block. I just climbed the fence and I get right into their yard. But when I got into the yard, Joey and Randy had a dog. It was a German Shepherd mixed with a Doberman Pinscher. So it was kind of one of those hot-blooded dogs, right? It made a look at you and his hair would stand up and growl at you and get mad was one of those angry dogs. And uh, one of the things I love to do about that, every time, never failed, when I go and crawl over the fence, the first thing I would do, I'd love to tease that dog. And the reason why I teased it, I knew that dog didn't like me, and I didn't like it. Amen. I just let it know. I don't like you, and I know you don't like me. But I also knew that that dog was attached to the doghouse. And so I would go so close, and I would tease this dog. I would, man, I would get this dog all riled up, man. I'd get it all fired up. And that dog, before I climbed over the fence, it looked like the hee-haw dog sitting on the porch, just chilling, right, until I came and got it all mad, got it all stirred up. And finally, when he saw me, guess what it did? It ran from its doghouse to try to attack me. And I would stand to a distance where I knew this dog couldn't get me. And how did I know that? Because this dog had a trail, a path, almost like a cow path, that you could see where it could only go so far, 
and it would wear out the grass. So I would stand a foot away from that path and tease that dog like, come on, Rover, come on, come on, get me. I bet you can't, hey, right? And I would tease this dog so much that this dog would just come growling at me and running at me with full force, and he'd forget that he was on his chain, and he'd come like he was ready to attack me, and all of a sudden, boom, he'd get to the end of his chain, and he'd get jerked back. And I'd sit there laughing, I got you again. And that dog would be so mad. He'd be upset, he'd growling at me, his hair standing straight up. I'm going to get you someday. And I would say, not today. Right? But you know what? A lot of times, that's what happens with believers. Now, I want you to get this now. A lot of times, that's what happens with believers. We get so far, and yet we can never obtain the fullness of what God has for our lives. And what happens is we don't realize that we're walking maybe or under a stronghold of something that's holding us back from the promises that God truly has for our lives. If you look at this, strongholds will only let you go so far, then it stops you from the greater and bigger things of life. Have you ever said this before? Why does this always happen to this person and that person? They always seem to be blessed, and I always get so close but yet so far. I always get to the edge of it, but I never get in the middle of it. I've always get into the ankle deep of things, but never up to the waist or up to my chest or up over my head of the blessings or the things that God really has for my life. What is holding me back? You see, listen, a stronghold is a conviction, an outlook, or belief that attempts to interfere with the truth. You see, the truth sets you free, right? The truth leads you down the path of righteousness for his name's sake. The Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6, right? So what happens is strongholds interfere with the truth to try to derail you from point A to point B to keep you from obtaining the blessings that God has for you in your life. And so what happens is strongholds will prohibit you, hold you back, they will derail you, they will confuse you, they will throw you in a tailspin because what happens is you're wondering what's going on, but really it's like a tractor pull pulling you back. And you're only going so far. If you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, Paul is talking there to the church of Corinth. And he's preparing them for a battle. And the battle that we're in is not a, a physical battle like we have wars. We have a war, and that's an obvious battle. We know that we have guns and ammunition and all this kind of stuff that we have physically. But Paul is preparing us for a spiritual battle that sometimes we just take for granted. How many of you know that the enemy never tires? He never tires. He's always like a lion looking for whom he may devour. He never tires. He's always attacking. He's always got a plan. He's always strategizing. He's trying to always bring us down and discourage us. So Paul is saying, do not be unaware, Janet, of these things. Do not be unaware of these attacks because the enemy is like a lion roaming to and fro looking for whom he may devour. So Paul is saying to the church of Corinth, he says this, for we live in the world. We're of the world, but we don't have to be part of the world. How many know the Bible says to come out from among them, touch no unclean things, and I shall what? Receive you. 
So we're part of the world, but we don't have to be of the world. We're different. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 14.2 that we are peculiar, that we are peculiar. How are we peculiar? We're peculiar because we don't do all the things that the world does. That's what separates us from the world, that we don't do all the things that the world does. And whatever that may be in your conviction line, that we don't do those things as the world does. We're separated. We touch no unclean things, and we're different. We're peculiar. Peculiar means different. And the, probably you're, you're nudging your husband or your wife right now saying, maybe that's your problem. You're just, you're peculiar. You're different. Maybe it's because of Christ, right? So he says this, for we, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. So Paul is talking to the church of Corinth, and he's letting them know that we don't fight with fists and guns and words and these things. We don't fight with those things. That's not the war, the war that he's talking about. That's an obvious war. And usually when you think about wars, what is war always over? It's always over possession. It's always over maybe territory. It's always over maybe oil. It's always over rights. It's always over something. So there's reason for a war. What Paul is talking about, we're in a spiritual war. The enemy is out to kill, rob, and destroy you. He wants to destroy your relationship with God. He wants to destroy your, your, your parameters with the Lord and all that God has for you. He wants to destroy that. He wants to take that away from you. He wants to interfere your relationship with God. He wants to sever your relationship with God. It's like the umbilical cord. Once you sever the umbilical cord, what happens? You lose the nutrients or the strength to the baby. Isn't that correct? And what the enemy is trying to do, he's trying to bring a war to sever the umbilical cord between you and God. So he says, listen, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the war, of the world. Watch what he says. On the contrary, they are divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds, things that hold you back things that keep you from obtaining the promises, things that keep you from receiving all the fullness that God has for your life, strongholds. So then he goes on to say, watch the rest of this. We demolish, now watch this, you got to get this, we demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So what is he talking about? Everything he's talking about, arguments, pretension deals with the mind. How many of you know that the Bible, everything starts with the mind, the battlefield of the mind, right? Everything starts with a seed. A seed is a thought. A, saw, a thought produces a tree. A tree produces fruit. So whenever your thought is, your life is going to follow that thought. If you're thinking on the negative things, guess what you're going to do? You're going to start sweeping or veering to the negative. If you're thinking on the positive, you're going to start veering to the positive things. If your car is out of line, you're going to go to the place where the car is out of line. If it's out of line to the left, what are you going to be doing? You're going to be pulling the steering wheel to the right to try to get it going straight down the road. Isn't that correct? So it's all in the mind. So he says, sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So what is the knowledge of God? Do you ever think about that? The knowledge of God is the truth. 
the truth of God's words. What is God's truth? That I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, that I love you, and uh, Ethan, and I accept you. I, I receive you. I've forgiven you. I, I, I laid my life down for you. Uh, my, by your stripes, you're, my, my stripes, you're healed. You see, those are the truth of God's word. And so what the enemy wants you to do is he wants you to start doubting God's truth. So if you can start doubting God's truth, it erodes your faith. And when it erodes your faith, you're going to stop believing for bigger and better things in your life. Right? So watch this. He says, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So how do you make it captive to make it obedient to Christ. You see, you line up, you take it captive, everything in obedience to Christ by this. When the enemy tries to lie to you, after all, John 8, says, the devil is the father of lies, the author of confusion, right? When the enemy tries to lie to you, you have to ask yourself, does this really line up with God's word? You see, what you need to do is before you receive it as truth, you need to ask yourself, does this line up with God's word? And if it doesn't line up with God's word, then you need to discard it. Stop fast-forwarding it. Stop pausing it. Stop rewinding it. If it doesn't line up with God's word, discard it. So many times that's what we do. We pause it. We fast-forward it. We rewind it. We nurse it. We rehearse it. We curse it. All these different things when we actually should be doing say, wait a minute. Hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more. This doesn't line up with God's word. And the more you think upon it, the more the grip gets a hold of you and holds you back and confines you. Isn't that right? So he says you got to make it captive, and you do so by doing it according to the word of God. I love this, and, and if you have your, your notes, I've, I've looked up the word about pretension and all these things and other translations. And I thought this was interesting about the different translations. Uh, in the King James Version, it says this, imagination. Taking captive every imagination. Man, I, my, my son brought over his nieces, and uh, her name is Ella V. Her, that's her real name, Ella V. Ella v loves to imagine things. She likes to take little things. You, you, you saw her at the parade. She loves to imagine things. She has this huge imagination. She should work for Disney or something. I mean, she could write a Disney movie. I kid you not. She has this huge imagination. She'll take a little thought, and she'll make a story out of it. I mean, it's amazing. And on the way driving to the fireworks the other day, we came into Siren from Voyager Village. The whole ride, she was talking about one little thing. She blew this thing out of the compulsion. And then my wife and my, my, my son finally had said, Ella will you just be quiet for a moment? But she started to imagine things. Can you imagine? And you know what the enemy likes to do? He likes you to imagine things bigger than they really are. How many of you know that we can think, man, 99 good things, one had one negative thing happen, and we always focus on that negative thing? And listen, how many times have you ever had this happen? You worry or you imagine this is happening or that's happening. I received a phone call the other day, and the lady was all panicky. I mean, she was really all panicky. And I understand. I truly, truly understand. But she was all panicky. And, man, Scott, you should have seen. She took this little thing that was going on, and she blew it so out of proportion that she cried on the phone, please, Pastor, please. I said, okay, no problem. It's all right. It's okay. Everything's cool. And you know what? Everything that she imagined, it wasn't even near that. Everything was okay. 
The enemy likes to make things bigger than they really are. So I thought about that imagination in King James. Look at the NIV. Every pretension. Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Every pretension. Anything that's maybe false. Anything that's not true. Everything that pretension. That's what it is. Pretension means setting itself up against the knowledge of God that isn't true. But I love this. The English Standard Version. Every lofty opinion. How many of you know that the enemy doesn't have an opinion in God's word? You ever get around people that, man, man, I, I don't mean to tell you what to do, but my sister is notorious. My sister from Colorado, she is, she, I love her to pieces. And I don't know about you, I think my wife and I, we've done pretty good in our lives. Our kids are going good, we're doing good, everything's going good. And, but every time I get around my sister, you know what, Heidi, is so funny. So hilarious. I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm 58 years old. It's kind of crazy. But I'm always the baby brother, no matter how old I get. And the funny thing is, I'm not the baby brother. I got one brother younger than me. But they always call me Karen, the baby brother. And so my sister, it's notorious. So I always brace myself when my sister comes. I kid you not. I always brace myself. So I know that Janie's going to come. And when Janie comes, she, we're going to have opinions. And we're going to say things. And we're going to do things. And she'll go like this. Little bro, I, I don't mean to tell you what to do, but how many know those kind of people? You know what I'm talking about? I don't mean to tell you what to do, but I don't mean. Well, then Janie don't say but. But you know what? Isn't that exactly what the enemy does? Whenever you get on the line of thought with God and God's word and God's word is truth and you are starting to receive his promises and maybe you're starting to walk into freedom and you're starting to maybe to experience his joy and his presence and all these things, what does the enemy like to do? He likes to throw in his opinions. I don't mean to tell you what to do, Everett, but do you really believe that God's word says that? Everett, I don't mean to tell you what to do, but God's word is true. And if God's word is true, Everett, why is this happening? I don't mean to tell you what to do, but if God really was on your side, why are you going through the struggle? How many of you know what I'm talking about? He always wants to throw in his butts. And the only place I know where butts belong is in an ashtray. That wasn't a good thing to say. All right. Scratches from the memo. Amen. Another one is this, lofty opinions. Lofty opinions. I, 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 excuse me, warped, warped philosophy. The message says that when you have every pretension, warped philosophy, warped philosophy, warped ideas, warped, warped thinking that the enemy doesn't line up to what God has to say. What the enemy always does, he sprinkles in a little bit of truth for the bait to get you caught, and then guess what happens? Things start to bow. And he wants you to get trapped by the little bit of truth to bring you into a situation that makes you start to bow or get these warped philosophies or warped opinions. My, my uh, nephew, I won't name the college, he was a strong Christian, and, and uh, he really loved the Lord. And before he went to college, he really loved the Lord, and he was doing really well. And then when he got to college, he went to one of the classes there. I won't name the college. He went to one of the classes there, and the teacher was totally against the things of God. And so what happened was they started giving these warped ideas, these warped philosophies. No kidding. 
these warped philosophies. And because he was in that class, then he started associating with some other students that had warped philosophy. And before you knew it, my nephew drifted away from the truth of God. And now, right now, what's happening is we're having a hard time trying to reel him back in because he believed a warped philosophy that God really doesn't mean all what the Word of God says. And so he started to get warped and started believing this way. And what happened now, he's distanced himself from God, and he's only a part-time God, or he's only a part-time Christian. I'll love you this much, God, but I have struggled with this. It's because he believed a lie. You listen, notice that the definition of stronghold deals with your mind and emotions. It always comes at your mind. What's the first thing the enemy loves to attack? Your mind. Let me ask you a question. When have you ever saw, and I'm not kidding you now, when have you ever saw the enemy, not being funny, take off your foot? When have you ever seen him take off your arm? But you do, Tim, attack your mind. Correct? I've never seen the enemy come up visibly and take off your arm, Karen. Jamie, your foot. But I have seen where the enemy likes to torment your mind. And why? Because your life will follow your thoughts, and if it can pollute your mind, it can pollute your soul. It can pollute you a little bit of seed, a little bit of yeast works through a whole batch of dough. What happens with a little bit of stinking thinking, what happens is it consumes you and takes you over. And it's like, what does the Bible says? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that we should renew our mind daily. Because what happens, the enemy likes to come in like a flood, but God said, I'm going to raise up a standard against it. And what happens, the enemy comes right here because if he can get you all in this brain cramp, what happens? Everything else shuts down. Because when you start thinking on things and focusing on things, you become what you think. What a man thinketh in his heart, so he will be. Right? And so what happens is he comes at your mind. That's where the strongholds start. They start in your mind. A stronghold is a false pretense that denies God's promises. Did you hear that? It denies, Sharman, God's promises, and God's promises are yes and amen to you. God said in Ephesians 3.20, I want to do exceedingly abundantly even more than you can even fathom, ask, or imagine. But what happens is the enemy wants to deny the promises of God. So he starts whittling at you like a, a whittler on a stick, and he starts whittling at your mind, your emotions, your feelings. He starts whittling at you. Do you really believe that? Do you really accept that? Do you really want to believe that? Do you really think that God's word is truth how many know what i'm talking about till eventually you give up i i don't i don't mean this in a derogatory way but how many ever played that game and i just did it with my grandkids they were just at my house uh, four of my eight grandkids but how many ever pin your, your kids on the floor and you do this bah, 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 bah. they got a name for it chinese torture you know what i'm saying i'm not trying to be racist or by whatever but that's what you call it bah, 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 right and eventually, you just keep doing it, bah, 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 and it makes a big red mark, and I do it so hard, my kids get a little bruise on there, my, my grandkids, and my, 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 my son and my daughter today, they can, Dad, Dad, you hit them so hard, they got a bruise there. Well, that means that they felt it, right? But you know what? How many know that's exactly what the enemy does? And you know what he does? He bombards your mind with thoughts. You're never going to make it. You're doomed. You're going to give up. And you know what? Here's what the enemy does. He never uses always the same thought. 
How many of you like the fish? Watch this. Get this now, Scott. You got to get this. Here's how the enemy works. He works like a fisherman. If you use that bait and you don't catch any bait, a fish on that bait, what are you going to do? You're going to change bait. If you don't use that and get any fish on that, what are you going to do again? You're going to change bait. In other words, what the enemy is going to do, he's going to, now you got to get this. you got to get this truth, Glenn. you got to get this in your spirit because this is where people get bound up and caught in strongholds. The enemy always tries to find the truth or the lie that's going to get you. So if this one doesn't work, he's going to bombard you, Molly, with something else. And if that one doesn't work, he's going to come back at something else. He's always coming back with a thought. He's changing baits till he finally catches you. So, oh, I did this one didn't work, Pastor Andrew. So, hey, I'm going to get you at that one. And you know one of the greatest baits that the enemy loves to do? Now, get this, the greatest bait bait that the enemy loves to get people on? Are you ready? Self-esteem. If he can make you feel like a loser, he's got you. Because I'm no good, I'm worthless, I'm a loser, I'm this, I'm that, I'm a failure, I never win at anything, I'm not qualified, I'm not capable, I'm not able. If he can make you feel like that, then you're going to give up on everything else. Why do I want to go to work? Why do I want to live? Why do I want to associate with people? I'm not any good. My self-esteem, I'm ugly. I'm not this. I can't talk. I'm not qualified. And what does he do? He starts right there. And if he can't get you at that, guess what the next bait is? Depression. I'm going to get you depressed. I'm going to get you discouraged. I'm going to get you whole heavy laden. I'm going to get you down. So that way you're going to be hiding in your cocoon, in your safety zone, in your house. It's going to be you and your toys and no one else. He'll always come with a new bait. How many you know what I'm talking about? This, I love this. It attempts to magnify the problem and to minimize God's ability to solve it. Isn't that exactly what happens? The enemy loves to magnify the problem. He likes to blow things out of proportion. He makes, likes to make it bigger than it seems. He likes to take it from a commercial into a movie. If you ever notice commercials, you look at the Super Bowl, they pay millions of dollars for 15-second spots, 30-second spots. You know why? Because they know that they can get you within 15 seconds or 30 seconds. And if that, they get into your subliminal mind, and they can catch you. That's exactly what the enemy does. He likes to bombard you with all kinds of commercials. And here's the commercial. The commercial is the product that you're no good. Don't buy it. Don't receive it. Don't accept it. They're no good. That product's not good. Don't hire them. Don't get them on your team. That's the product that the enemy loves to sell. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. He likes to make the, magnify the problem and minimize God's ability to solve it. Uh, I, I, I love this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, there's addresses that I love to keep in my heart. I really do. I keep addresses in my heart. Uh, when I go into attacks or when I get under discouragement or whatever, I go to this address. People always say, Pastor, how do you remember 
so many scriptures. How do I remember them is this. How many of you have ever moved before? What is the first thing you remember? Your address, or otherwise you won't get lost. Right? Or you look it up on your GPS and they're going to get you back. But you start with an address. And once you get the address down, you can get the scripture down. And so I always go to this address. And you know why? Here's why. In order that Satan might not outwit us. So whenever I'm going under attack and I'm feeling maybe discouraged or whatever, I have to weigh this out like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Something's not right. Something's not right. Do, 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 do. Warning, Will Robinson. Warning, right? You understand what I'm saying? And I have to weigh it out. Something's not right. For we are not unaware of his schemes. In other words, I understand where this is coming from. I know that he has a plan to destroy me. I know that he's trying to bombard me. I know that he's trying to throw all these things at me to make me bite on one of them. But God, I'm not unaware of the enemy's schemes. You know what they say when a person is angry? and you want to shake your fist and blow up, and a lot of times when we blow up, whatever happens, we say things, man, we should not say, and we do things we should not do. You know what they say when I was in philosophy class or psychology class, when I took my psychology classes? They say that the first thing you do when you're ready to blow up or get mad or get angry, walk away from the situation, walk away and count to 10. And the reason why, they said you gather your thoughts together. And not one, ten, bam, but one. And you gather your thoughts to be able to get your emotions back under control. And what happens is a lot of times you need to gather your thoughts and think it out before you react, before you bite on the bait what the enemy is trying to get you with. So he says, for we are not unaware of the enemy's schemes. Listen to this. God's word keeps us alert from the attacks and keeps our life's level in his truth. Keeps our life's level in his truth. Now, many of you know what this is, right? My wife is anal about making sure on everything is in that bubble. Right there in that bubble is supposed to be level. Even though I feel like I'm nervous purvis and I'm shaking around, that bubble is right there in the middle of those two lines, right? So that's supposed to be straight. But here's what the enemy does. The enemy doesn't come at you with fists. It would be so obvious for him to come at you with, man, dukes up, because then you could put your dukes up, and, man, you can spar together, right? But the enemy does things so subtle. So here you are in life. You leave church here today. You're in the bubble. But you're going to leave church here today. In Sunday afternoon, you're going to be with the kids. Man, you're going to be all frustrated. you got a day planned. And man, you got this plan, and this happens. And then you got to go to work tomorrow, and then you got to be around coworkers that man got potty mouths or this, that, and the other thing, and that happens. Then you got your boss that's getting on you, and that happens. Eventually, what happens before you know it, you're out of whack, and you're out of level. But let me ask you something did you really know what was happening? You see how subtle the enemy is? Just by me, just barely moving this level, it throws the bubble out of line. And that's what happens with many, many Christians. We're supposed to be in the bubble or the safe zone with God, but the enemy comes in 
and he tells us lies, confusion, things that try to get out of our mind and throws us off the bubble. About six years ago, Cheryl and I was out with a couple. And I kid you not, when we were out with this couple, this lady, man, she couldn't communicate with us. She was just, man, like, what is wrong with you? But she kept staring at the wall over there. What are you looking at? This lady was so freaked out that the restaurant that we were at, the picture was crooked. Now, you know what she did after halfway through the time that we were together, Randy? You know what she did? She got up from her seat. She said, I can't take it anymore. And she straightened out that picture. She came back. I kid you not, true story. She came back. She sat down. She says, now I can talk. No kidding. Because it was that little bit out of line. But the enemy loves, guys, listen, he loves to throw you off level because he knows that, listen, when you're on level, you're not straight. And the Bible says that the Lord's going to send the plumb line. The plumb line means being straight with God. That's what a plumb line is. You carpenters, you take the the line and you snap it so that you have a straight line that you can cut on. And the Lord says, I'm going to set the plumb line before you. Are you lined up? Are you straight or are you out of balance? And how you get out of balance is right here. And that's why it's important that you renew your mind, that you are the umpire. Now listen, you are the umpire that calls the balls and strikes in your life. You are the gatekeeper that you let in and that you let out. You are the gatekeeper that lets the negative in. You are the gatekeeper that lets the positive in. And you have to judge them. You have to call the balls and strikes. That's not a, that's a ball. I don't receive that. That's a strike. That's the truth of God's word. I receive that. You're the umpire that calls the balls and strikes in your life. What are you letting in? And what you let in, guess what? It's building a link to the chain or the stronghold to your life. And that's why many Christians get so far and so far, but yet so close, but yet so far. And they get so frustrated and don't even realize that they're in a stronghold. You see, listen, the devil builds strongholds a little bit at a time by using thoughts. Everything starts with a thought. By using thoughts, art, words, The Bible says your words have the power of life and death, and you will eat the fruit thereof. How many said the words you'll never make it? I'm doomed. I'm not good enough. Guess what? You got a cheerleader cheering you on. You're right. You're never going to make it. You're right. You're not worthy. You're right. You know what? Every time you say bad words, you got a peanut gallery cheering you on. And that peanut gallery is not the Lord. Your words have power in life and death, and in your actions. You know what? The enemy, what's this? What did you do? Here's what the enemy loves to do. The enemy, get this now. I said this in the first service. I want to give you this nugget. Here's what the enemy loves to do. The enemy always goes back to your past. You know what the enemy never does? He never goes to anything new. And what he does, he wants to remind you of your past, the stronghold. You see, so what does he do when you try to advance and go forward and experience something newness of Christ? He's going to remind you of your past. He don't go to new because any man being Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away, and all things become new. And the enemy wants to go back to your past to pull you back. 
to keep you on that chain, to always make you feel like you're a failure, you're doomed, you're not good enough, you're not worthy. Man, you've sinned, you've done this, you've done that, you're not worthy. You can't enter God's kingdom because God's not going to receive you. But let me remind you something. Paul, who wrote three-fourths uh, of the New Testament, the Bible says that Paul was the chief of sinners. But yet God used him, God saved him, God forgiven him, and God, man, put a spirit upon him again. Did he do that the same way with David? David became king, he became mighty, he became great, even after he slept with Bathsheba. Sheba, right? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. God forgave, and God can forgive you, but so many of you are walking in the chain of unforgiveness, and God said, let, I've let you go. If God's let you out of the cage, why are you still in the cage? Amen. The door is open for you to fly again. But many of you aren't. Here's the little bits. The little bits what the enemy loves to do. This is the little bits. Do you feel like nothing but despair? That's the little bit. When you feel despair, then you feel like quitting. Do you feel, I think, thoughts of defeat? That's the little bits. That's where the enemy likes to come in. And a little bit of yeast works through a whole batch of dough. Do you feel like despair? Do you feel like defeat? Do you feel like quitting? Maybe quitting on your family, quitting on your, your spouse, quitting on your kids, quitting on your job. Do you speak the language of impossibility? It's never going to happen. It's doomed. But let me just say this to you. Here's the icing on the cake. That's where he starts. But the icing on the cake where he got you where he wants you, now he's going to get you. Here's where he gets you at, right here. Here's where a lot of times where we don't even recognize or realize that we're in a stronghold. We just take things for granted, and it's just the commonplace of life. But here's our, the biggest danger zones in. And number one, the icing on the cake where the enemy likes to get us. God could never forgive me. You know what that is? That's a stronghold of guilt. If you're walking thinking that God can never forgive you, guess what? You're in a stronghold of guilt. You're in a stronghold of guilt and condemnation. And the Bible says in Romans 8, 1, he said, there is now no condemnation in those who love the Lord. Condemnation, now you got to get this. Condemnation brings guilt, shame to your life. But there's a difference. Conviction, conviction brings freedom. So let me ask you, are you walking under condemnation, guilt, or are you walking in the freedom and of, of conviction of God to making things right? Here's another one, icing on the cake. I, I, this one's... I could never forgive that person. You know what that is? The stronghold of resentment. But you don't understand, Pastor. They did this to me and they did that. You don't understand. Oh, yeah, I understand. Didn't God forgive us all? Aren't you glad that you're forgiven? One of the biggest dangers of the church, hear me, please hear this, Pastor. We as a church have begun, became, now I want you to get this. We as a church, Rick, have become selective forgivers. We have become selector forgivers. I'm going to select who I forgive and who I don't forgive. And by doing that, guess what? You're in a stronghold. You're in a stronghold of resentment. 
I'm going to forgive this person because I really like this person. I really care about this person. I really care about him, and I really care about her. I don't like this person because this person is this one, this person is that. But this person and that person do the same sin, but I'm going to forgive that person, but not this person. And we become selective forgivers. And by becoming selective forgivers, guess what that does? It keeps us in a stronghold. And who made us the judge? And who made us the one that says who we can forgive and who we can't forgive? God says we're supposed to forgive all. But what happens is because we're selective forgivers, we're in a chain. We're not even realizing we're in a chain. We think we're forgiven and we're set free because I forgave that person, but I can't forgive this person. But why am I feeling so heavy? What? It's because you still have a chain. What did Jesus say to all the disciples who thought they were so great and mighty and high? He without sin, let him cast the first stone. Boom. 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 Can I ask you a question? Why is it that you want to be forgiven? But we can't forgive. We so want to be forgiven. What do I got to do? Stand on my head? What do I got to do? Turn purple? What do I got to do? Give them my blood for them to forgive me? But we can't forgive others. And that's a tragedy. That's a stronghold that the enemy loves to use on you. When I had to forgive my father... Trust me. When my father used to beat the snot out of me, I'm sorry, that's a bad word, but I'm sorry, that's what I feel like. When my father used to beat me, do you think I wanted to go to him that Christmas day and look at him across that circle and have to walk over to him and put my arm around him and say, Ralph, I need you to forgive me? Do you think I wanted to forgive him? But guess what? It set me free. Do you think I wanted to go to my real father and say, Dad, you left us where you left us. My sisters were ready to die, Dad, but you wanted to do what you did, and you chose to do what you did. Do you think I wanted to take him off the dance floor at my stepsister's wedding to ask him to forgive me? But it set me free. Do you think I wanted to go to my third father and say, Harold, why in the world did you turn me into an alcoholic? But I went to Harold. He set me free. I'm not a selective Christian or forgiver. I'm a forgiver. And because of that, God has set me free. But here's the stronghold here, your pastor. Many of you trust me when I say this. I see this over and over again for 38 years. People get so far, but yet they get away. Because they can't forgive. Another one is this. Bad things always happen to me. Strongholds of self-pity. Most believers don't recognize strongholds because, go ahead, Andrew. Most believers don't recognize strongholds because they have just become commonplace with them. It's the way my lot of life is. It's the way it is. That's why I got. No, it's not. 
hear your pastor. You believe the lie. It's not true. God has bigger and better and greater things for your life. You got to walk out of that self-pity. God's not here to pick on you. God doesn't show favoritism to one or the other. He accepts you just as you are. Man, it's good to see you today. He accepts you just as you are. He loves you. And you need to get that in your knower because he loves you. You're special in his sight. You're special. You're special. Every one of you today, you got to get it. Are you understanding me today? If you don't get it in your knower, you're never going to know it. You get it in your knower, Mom. It's good to see you here today. Your daughter is incredible. I love this girl. Saw her last night. High five. She's a firework working to happen. Every time I get around her, boom, she just brings life. I love her to pieces. Get it in your knower. of me and Cheryl. It's because we live in freedom. Don't be jealous of us. Rejoice with us and get on the bandwagon and receive what God has for you. Come on. What is it? I'm, telling you. I'm giving you facts today. That's what God wants to do. I'm so proud of you, young man. That's your friend with you today? I'm, I heard about you. Now I get to see you. God bless you today. Will you stand with me today? I know I didn't get a chance. I was going to make this part two. But I tell you, folks, listen. God has so much. I almost want to feel like prophesying today. I just almost feel like Young lady, I'm going to tell you something. I love you. You're coming out. You're coming out of it. Don't be dismayed. Don't get discouraged. You're coming out. God sees you right where you're at. And he's got you in everything in some control. It's in control. It's in control. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't get discouraged. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And he's pulling you through this. And you know what that means. And God's pulling you through this. He loves you. He loves you. Receive that today. charge right now. I'm 
haven't felt this way in a long time. And the Lord just telling me, I see it in the spirit that just come. And you come like carrying in your hands your stronghold, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's resentment. And all you have to do, you just come and just drop it at the feet and you can leave. That's what God's just showing me. Our altar call today is just come and leave it at his feet. Just come. And you're going to walk up here. That's you. Just come, drop it, and leave. And don't put it back on. Because I believe that God wants us set free. He's already coming. That God wants us set it free today. That God wants us set it free today. Just come and drop it. Just drop it. Just drop it. Drop it. Just drop it. some of you free. Just come and just drop it. Just drop it. Just drop it. Just drop it. Come on. Just drop it. Just drop it. Don't carry it. Don't carry it. Don't carry it. Let God set you free today. Come on, folks. He wants you to just come and just drop it. Just drop it. Just drop it. Let it go. Just let it go. Be free indeed. Be free indeed. No more strongholds. No more Joshua. I don't want to be the Moses. I want to walk into my promised land. I'm not going to keep no chains holding me back. I'm not going to just have this little path that I can only go this far. I'm crossing over. I'm crossing over. Anyone else today? Anyone else today? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every one of these individuals here today. I thank you that today we make the choice, the choice to let go of those things. We let go of those things. We let go of the stone of resentment, guilt, shame, condemnation, all that the things that the enemy is trying to put strongholds over our mind, body, soul, and spirit. We let go of those things today and we say enough is enough. We draw a line in the sand and say, enemy, you will not cross over any longer. We put up our guard. We put on the full armor of God and we say in the name of Jesus, we stand up against you. We take authority over you and we place you under our feet as you say in Luke 9 verse 1, you are under our feet and we trample all the wiles of the enemy. And I thank you for setting these free promise is coming. Now, God, be with us. Lord, let us be all what you call us to be, and peculiar and different. And we thank you in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you this morning. Walk in victory. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Would you consider a financial gift to help support this ministry? Giving is simple and safe. Just go to our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com and click on the Give tab. Thank you for your generous gift.